Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to the Chiona Podcast. We are on episode freaking 19. And my name is Sarah Sodizi. And if you don't know, now you know, yo. (laughs) So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about a situation that I had found myself in like a few days ago where I was thinking, yo, like I saw something and I was like, yo, that could have been my life. That really could have been my life. And I went back and started thinking it over like why are you thinking like that why are you thinking like of what could have been or like what could have happened if if things had turned out really differently and I'm not going to give details on what specifically I saw because that's not really that relevant but I'm thinking to myself of all the accomplishments I've done since this traumatic event happened or since this thing happened and I realized like a lot of people, okay, I'm going to I'm going to trail off a little bit. A lot of people think that my academic journey was really easy. And a lot of people think that my mental health journey has been really really easy. And I'm here to tell you that it hasn't. It really hasn't. I mean, on social media you can see that people accomplish things all the time and even myself, I'm I make it a point to humble myself and, you know, not try to put it on blast about my accomplishments or whatever, but At the end of the day, when you know within yourself what you've dealt with and you want to share with the world that you've accomplished something that you never thought you'd be able to do, it's a really good feeling. And but going back to what I was saying is like I saw something and I was like, yo, like that could have been my life. I had to stop myself and be like, but this is my life that I'm living right now. This is the one that I have, you know, this is the path that I've gone and this is the this is the plan that God had for me. And I feel like a lot of times we often forget that, you know, certain things happen, whether they're good or bad, for a very specific reason. And sometimes we'll never know what that reason is. And oftentimes we will know what that reason is. Because for me, I felt like 2018 was one of the worst years of my life. And I'll explain in some details why I thought that was. But this week I wanted to talk a little bit about rejection and what it feels like and how to deal with it and why I think it's important in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways to take those rejections and throw them out the window and be like, okay, I didn't get accepted. I didn't get in. I didn't get this. What's next? All right. So I'ma start it out with like a really stupid and small form of rejection that I faced when I was a kid. But Again, this ties into the whole idea of me being so, like, I can't even explain to you guys, so, so, so obsessed with my performance as an athlete. So I've told you guys this before. When I was in elementary school, sports were my life. I loved playing basketball. I loved playing soccer. Those were my two sports. I eventually ended up transitioning only to focus on soccer. And even still, I regret very much not taking it that seriously when I was in high school because I was being an idiot in high school but that's a whole other story for a different time but fact of the matter is is as I was growing up I loved playing sports and because of that I focused a lot of attention on being as best as I could possibly be or being as good as I could possibly be and that came with a lot of that came with a lot of discrimination and I don't mean to make it seem like it's the most dramatic thing in the world But being a girl is difficult. 
it's hard, especially when you're in a space where at the time, because this was like early 2000s, and we've made somewhat a lot of progress since then. But when I was when I was growing up, a lot of times, a lot of these leagues didn't really exist for girls. And so I had to be on co-ed teams or at recess. Not a lot of girls were playing sports, so I would have to play with the boys. And a lot of times they would be like, hell no, we're not having a girl on our team. Hell no, I'm not passing the ball to her. Or like if our gym teacher would force us to have girls, at least one girl on the team, they would just pick one girl and they wouldn't pass to you or they wouldn't participate or let you participate. You'd be on the bench the whole time, basically. And so because of that, I think I... I I think that was another thing that kind of made me realize like girls are treated so much more differently than guys are and they're so much more pushed to do things in athletics because my parents have always supported what I do, you know, in terms of my academics and in terms of the hobbies that I have. They even support this podcast a lot, which is more than I can say for a lot of other people and I'm very blessed in that in that regard. But what I think was a lot of came with a lot of like uh, anger inside of me or like what really kind of started this whole struggle with my performance in athletics was the idea that I needed to be better than this boy or I needed to be better than this girl I needed to be the best 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 athlete and I did that by any means necessary so this story is about the time that I wanted to try out for this all-star soccer team and I didn't get in so I was about 12 years old and keep in mind this is around the age when you're very very self-conscious about yourself so I guess that was also something that contributed to it but I really really wanted to get on this all-star soccer team and it was first of all it was really expensive to upkeep like with all like the the practices, the games, the trips and everything like that and but I was like dead focused on being a part of that team because I felt like that was what I wanted and that was going to fulfill me like nobody's business because like I said I was super into soccer and I was super into basketball so I remember practicing with my dad in the backyard and I remember practicing with my coaches and every chance that I could and everything like that like I was trying to hit my peak performance so that when I did end up going to the tryouts there were two tryouts when I did end up going they would be like super impressed and they would be like, oh, like without a doubt, we we need to have this girl on our team. And what I didn't realize and what I do realize now is that that's kind of where the issues started in terms of like my eating habits and the way that I perceive my body. But anyways, I remember going to the tryout and being super nervous. My dad was there and everything. But he was like super supportive and he was ready to like, you know, cheer me on and really like encourage me because my dad and I have been playing soccer together for as long as I can remember. So he's always been there for every single tryout, every single practice, every single game all the time. And so I remember getting to that tryout and, you know, doing my absolute best. But I remember I bombed some of it. I do remember that. And it was mortifying because I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm a failure, yo. Like I I suck. And I remember we did a scrimmage. And I hardly got a handle on the ball for, for whatever reason. I don't remember what it was, but I hardly got a handle on the ball. So then I was thinking in my mind the whole time, I was like, they haven't even seen me play. They haven't even seen me play. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And the amount of negative thoughts that I had in my mind at that time 
poor guys. It was it was horrible. And finally, when the tryout was over, the coaches had said that they were going to post the team in like a number of weeks or like in a couple of in a couple of weeks. Keep in mind, at this time, I was also still playing for like a recreational league. So even if I didn't make this all star team, I was still going to be playing like just a regular house league or whatever. And I remember just waiting, being super, super antsy because the idea to me was that this team that I wanted to be on so, so badly was more important than my house league. Like I was like, nah, like if I get on this all-star team, I'm not really going to care about house league because house league is like the basic of the basic. And like, I was very snooty about it, to be honest. But anyways, I was waiting, anticipating, waiting and like asking my dad, like, did you get a phone call from the coach? Like anything, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, you just got to wait. You just got to wait. And eventually, well, as it turns out, the phone call never came. I didn't get on the all-star team. And when I came to this realization, I was really upset. I was really upset because I thought I had worked my butt off. But at the same time, I beat myself up about the fact that I maybe I didn't have enough playing time or maybe I didn't do this or maybe I should have done this or, you know, like I could have changed this. I was really, really upset. And like, I know, again, it sounds very, very trivial. When you're a little kid, though, things like this really, really matter to you. And as somebody who loved playing soccer, loved playing basketball, hearing that I didn't make a team that I wanted to be on so badly really broke my heart. And as a result, I took it out on the way that I perceived myself because I didn't think I was athletic enough. I didn't think I was strong enough. And and again, this whole idea of women being in sports or girls being in sports, it wasn't really emphasized a lot when I was growing up because all the funding went towards boys teams, all of the, you know, extra perks and cool things and all the encouragement came towards the boys teams. And so I remember one day in class, the guys in my class were like talking about, I don't remember what exactly they were talking about, but for some reason, I don't know why I decided to do this. I lied and told them that I was on the all-star team, that I had made the all-star team. And they were like, no, you didn't, blah, blah, blah. Like they were... They were like skeptical, obviously. And so I said, no, I made the all-star team and I'm going to be playing across the city. And this is not, I made up all kinds of mumbo jumbo. And to this day, I don't really know why I lied about that, but I was so upset about the rejection that I was like, by any means necessary, like I'm going to just fake my way through it. And I remember one of the guys in my class was like, all right, so show us your jersey then. If you're on the all-star team, why don't you show us the jersey that you got? And I was like, oh, well, you know, like, I'm just letting a friend borrow it. Like, I came up with some sort of stupid, lame excuse where they could clearly see through the lie. And just, I don't know why I did that. But, like, now as I reflect on the fact that I was, like, really upset by that. And this kind of just goes back to a conversation about mental health. I didn't realize it at the time. But this was around the time when I was becoming very, very self-conscious, like more than a normal preteen would. I was becoming very, very self-conscious about my build and my athleticism and just overall like the way that I looked at myself. And I remember it happened a lot because as a younger sibling, I don't know if a lot of y'all have experienced this before, but as a younger sibling, you have people that you look up to. And if you're not meeting those expectations, whether it's your parents putting pressure on you or you putting pressure on yourself or just your peers putting pressure on you, it's a lot to live up to. And as a kid, I felt like, especially because I had an older sister, 
I felt like everything that she did was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. And she's 11 out of 10 every single time. Like my sister was like really well liked by her friends, by her teachers, by everybody. And me being me, and especially at the time that it was like when I was like 12, 13, this was at the time when I was starting to do very, very stupid things and making stupid decisions with friends that didn't really care about me. But I felt like I was failing at every single possible thing because I wasn't living up to the same expectations that were put for my sister. And so I didn't take it very well when I would get those types of rejections from like elite teams or like soccer teams or like any sort of sports team that I signed up for. If I didn't do my absolute best, I was like, no, I suck. I suck. And I learn a lot from that situation in particular because it helped me understand that you can't always win. You can't always get a yes. You can't always have somebody, like even if you've done the absolute best that you can do. And I felt like I did at the time. I don't know. I I honestly don't know too much of how I did. Like I'm trying to remember how the tryout went and everything like that because truth, truth be told, maybe the coaches saw that I was trash. But yeah, you can try your absolute best. But at the end of the day, if they don't want you, they don't want you. And that's okay. That's okay. Because even after I had been rejected from that team, I still continued to play soccer all the way up until high school. And I loved it. And I still loved playing. And it was, it brought such joy to me because I had been playing with my dad. Like I said, I've been playing with my dad my whole life. And The idea wasn't even that I have to be the best of the best. I have to be better than this person. I have to be better than that person. I have to be at 100% at all times. No, like that's not what it became anymore. It became, I love playing so much. I don't care if, you know, I'm better than this person or if I'm better than this person. I, I just love playing. And I think me being able to change my perception of that and and granted it took me a very long time to do that but me being able to change my perception of that helped me in the long run by so so much all right so this story has to do with my academic career and i'm i want to read something to you guys first okay so this was sent to me in (laughs) both both years keep this in mind i was rejected twice so it's the same message but let me let me read to you dear sarah sodizi The Graduate Admissions Committee of the Graduate Studies Early Childhood Studies has thoroughly reviewed your application for admission. Unfortunately, we cannot offer you a position in the above program at this time. However, you've been placed on a wait list. If a space does become available, those on the wait list will be given priority consideration. Hmm. Hmm. Imagine reading that after your whole life just feels like has been torn to shreds. Just imagine reading that. I'm not talking about the time that I got rejected in 2017, 2018 year. I'm talking about the time I got rejected in 2018, 2019 year. Like, I'm gonna talk about that because I always perceive that to be one of the worst and most trying times of my life. So just imagine reading that and being like, wow, this is just the straw that has broken the camel's back. I am worth nothing to nobody and I am a complete and utter failure. All right, briefly, I'm going to address this. Yes, I had just broken things off with Juan Pablo, okay? So I was like absolute mess. At the time when I was still here, fun fact, actually, when I was still dating Juan Pablo, this was at the time when I was just applying to get in to grad school for the second time. This is my second time applying. So I remember I was like, okay, this time, like, I think I have it. I have to have it. I have to. 
and literally like L after L after L. I laugh about this now, but it's not. A, it was not a laughing matter when this happened. But L after L after L, I got broken up with in the worst possible way. I got rejected from both of the schools that I applied to to get my master's degree. And my mental health was like in the absolute toilet. Like I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to even talk to anybody. I stopped going to church. I would just go to my job and then go to the gym immediately afterwards, come home, go to sleep. That is all my routine would be for like five months. So anyways, we're going to make this into a happy ending story because obviously, for those of you that know me, I ended up getting my master's degree last year. But what I want to very much emphasize here is that rejection sucks. Okay, I was rejected from the same graduate school two times. And I thought it was all over. I was like, what the hell am I even gonna do? But if you listened carefully to the message that I had read, where they said that they put me on a wait list, I was like for a very long time, I was just like, screw it. Like, they're not going to call me back because when I had applied the first time, they put me on the wait list, but they never called me back. The second time I was put on a wait list, I was like, okay, the same same crap's going to happen. They're going to be like, we don't have any space for you, whatever, screw you, right? So literally, I'm not even joking, guys. I'm not making this up. I was sitting at my desk in my office or like in my little cubicle at my work and I was looking through colleges that I could apply to for maybe like a year to get more experience and then reapply in the following year. So for 2019, 2020, I was like, okay, you know what? Like if I, I'm not going to get in. So I'm just like, look for my options elsewhere. And I was looking through colleges and I was like, okay, like this program seems really legit, whatever. I kid you not the next day after I had been searching up those colleges, the next day I get an email saying, please view your admissions update from the university that I had applied to. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Is this a prank or something? And this was at like eight in the morning. Keep in mind, I had just gotten to work and I look and I'm just like, what the hell is this a prank? Or like, is this some sort of joke? Because they already told me that I had been rejected. Like, do they need to tell me twice that I'd been rejected? All right, cool. So I was like, I have nothing to lose. So I go and I look through my email and I go and I click the status update and it says, please wait a couple hours for it to update. And I was like, all right, cool. So I waited about an hour and I started doing my other emails for work and answering phone calls during work, whatever. And so I refresh the page and I go and I see and I look and this is what it reads out, guys. This is what the message read out. Congratulations, the admissions committee for the graduate program in Masters of Arts at blah, blah, blah university is pleased to offer you admission to the full-time Masters of Arts Early Childhood Studies program. Y'all, I don't know how God does it because, like, it's been almost two years since I felt like it was the worst day of my life and felt like there was no way I was going to get out of this hole and there was no way I was going to get out of this rut I was no there was no way I was going to get over the Juan Pablo situation and yet here I am here I am (laughs) with a damn master's degree with a damn sociology degree going for my PhD dog and I go back to the idea of when I was just reflecting about, oh, if this had happened, then this would have been my life. If this had happened, then this would have been my life. Girly, girly, bestie, bestie. 
God works in incredible ways. When you face a rejection like that and when you feel like, oh, it's just the end of the world and like life sucks and then there's no point in even trying, I'm gonna tell you this, I'm gonna tell you this, you don't necessarily need to go for the same thing that you were trying to go for. That's what I did. I didn't give up. I was like, no, no, no. There's no way in hell they're gonna reject me. There's no way in hell because I was already ready to prepare myself for something else so I could apply again for a third damn time, okay? But... So you can go that route. You can try and keep keep doing something and, you know, it'll never work out. But I mean, if something's meant to be, I can't even explain it to you guys. If something's meant for you, it will come to you in the craziest of ways. I thought it was over. They had already sent me my rejection and I thought, okay, what the hell? They're just going to send me another notification that I got rejected again? Like, what is this? Or that the wait list is no longer a thing? What is this? And I got in. I got in and people can say it was like a really shady way that I got in. Oh, you were on a wait list. You were originally rejected, whatever. I got in and you want to know something, dog? I got my master's degree and I'm a published writer. Fact of the matter is, is I don't care. I have the piece of paper. I have my name on an academic document that says that I'm a writer. Bruh, get at my level. And I don't care how cocky this sounds and I need to humble myself in oh, 110%, but I'm going to tell you this, God has a plan for your life, whether you know it or not, God has a plan for your life and it'll always work out. It always, always, always will work out. I, I'll give you a fun fact before I, before I sign off. So I was sitting at my desk and then I found out that I had gotten in and I like yelled. I was like, oh my God, in the middle of the office. This was at like eight in the morning and my coworker was like, what, what, what? And I was like, guys, I just got into graduate school and everyone was like, oh my God, yes, wow, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing I immediately thought, like I cried at my desk. I ain't, I ain't ashamed to admit that. Soichiona, okay? Soichiona. I cried at my desk and I was like, oh my God, I need to call my dad. Like the first thing I was like, I need to call my dad. And we always, whenever we recall this moment, like it's just, it's, it's wonderful, you know? So I... <laughs> I call my dad this is at like eight in the morning. So nobody's awake. My dad answers the phone. He's like half alive. He's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Hello. And I'm like, dad, 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 I something happened. I need to tell you something. And my dad's just like half awake still. And he's like, what, what? And I'm like, dad, wake up, wake up. Like something happened. Like I need to tell you something. And my dad immediately springs into action and thinks like something like the end of the world has arrived because he's like, ¿Qué pasó, mijita? Do you want me to pick you up? What's going on? And I was like, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Just just calm down. Calm down. Listen. Guess what? And he's like, what? And then I like break down into tears. And I'm like, dad, I got into graduate school. Oh, my God. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, they just sent me the letter today. Blah, blah, blah. Like I got in, dad, I got in. I'm going to get my master's. Like I'm like sobbing, sobbing y'all. And like, this is why I say immigrant lives matter. Because when you have parents that have sacrificed so much for you to get the best education or have sacrificed so much, even for you to have just the simplest life, I, my parents are not rich. My family isn't rich. You know, we're pretty comfy with the way that we live and everything like that. And my parents did everything in their power to just make sure that we had a good and solid family life. So when you have moments like this where you're able to share that with your parents that like are maybe in the back of their minds, they're wondering like, was it all worth it? In that moment right there when I called my dad, like, and we both started crying over the phone together, like, that's when you know Things like this are so, so, so worth it. 
But anyways, as per usual, as per usual, I thank you so very much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something from it. And truth be told, like if you're dealing with something right now where you feel like your heart is really heavy or you feel like something just didn't work out and you really, really, really wanted it to, I feel you, homeboy or homegirl or home person. I I feel you. I've been there before. But what I can tell you is this is that something good's going to come out of it. I'm manifesting that for you and I'm speaking it into existence. Something good is going to come out of that. And you're going to look back and be like, wow, okay, I see why this had to happen or I see why that wasn't meant for me. Trust and believe me, my friends. Anyway, I love you guys so very, very much. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives Matter, Immigrant Lives, they matter. They do matter very, very much so. And God loves you so very much. K okay, bye.